Hello and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. We've got a huge show coming up for you today. Not one, but two guests. We had to speak to her after announcing her retirement this week. World Cup winner Vicky Fleetwood is coming on the pod later on. Fleeto or Pineapple Head herself will look back on her career and, and what's ahead in the next couple of weeks for the Premier 15s. We'll have all the news, of course, from the British and Irish Isles. Welsh Rugby Union announcing some more investment. We've got semi-finals in France. We'll also take news from Oceania, from Asia, from South Africa as well. But first, we're going to start in Africa. The Rugby Africa Cup over the last couple of weeks has seen some incredible, and I mean incredible scenes, watching those games in Madagascar. We've got Ando Herimahefa, the head of women's rugby in Madagascar, coming up on the pod in just a moment or two. Can't wait to speak to Vicky and to Ando. You're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. As I was saying, Rugby Africa Cup has been finalised. Now, South Africa won all three games, securing qualifications for WXV2 tournament, which will be played in the Western Cape in October. Madagascar have been just brilliant, brilliant hosts. Speak to Ando in just a moment or two. The Stadmakis saw South Africa beat Kenya 48-0 last Wednesday, while the home side Madagascar won 30-10 over Cameroon. Then on Sunday, round three, Kenya chalked up their second win, beating Cameroon 52 points to three, while South Africa took the game against Madagascar 79-8. Well, let's go straight to Madagascar now and then speak to the lady who's been so influential in putting this together over the last couple of weeks. Ando Hiramahefa, English is her second language, a French speaker, so you've got to bear with her slightly. But I just thought it was really, really important to to get some reaction from down there, what has been uh, some some brilliant, brilliant scenes, we say, down in Madagascar. And we are a global podcast after all. Do excuse some of the audio quality. The line all the way to Madagascar is a little bit bumpy. Just gives me great, great pleasure to introduce the manager of women's rugby in Madagascar, where we've seen those incredible, incredible scenes over the last couple of weeks. Ando, Hedi Mahefa. Ando, thank you very much for joining us on the Women's Rugby Pod. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me. So, um, thank you so much. Thank you for this invitation. It's been an exciting couple of weeks, as we said. Describe your feelings for me when when you saw the players running out on the field and and all those big crowds. How, how proud were you? Just just describe those feelings for me. Okay, so as it's the first time uh, Madagascar has hosted the the Rugby Africa Women's Cup, but I'm very happy to 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 have this uh, tournament here in Madagascar. So um, I'm so um, we are grateful to have this crowd in during the tournament. So um, I'm 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 so proud for everything. Yeah. Just how many people were in the crowd uh, uh, on on Sunday was the final round, and as you mentioned, Kenya 
beating Cameroon and uh, South Africa beating your Madagascar side. How many people were were in the crowd? So let's say uh, around twelve or fifty thousand people during the during the during the game. So I'm so surprised because. Uh, in the middle of the week, as you can see in the um, in the social media, it, it's it's an uh, usual situation because uh, usually we have the game uh, during the weekend, but during this tournament we have a game in the middle of the week. So we are surprised for that crowd during the during the game in the Wednesday. So uh, twelve. To fifteen thousand at the at the weekend, and on a Wednesday it was more like twenty. We we were hearing. Why is there such a big love for rugby for women's rugby in Madagascar? So uh, here in Madagascar, um, most of our player is for the community rugby. So uh, that we are so proud because most of the player and most of our club is from the rugby community, you know. So that's why every 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 players or uh, every clubs they are coming for to support their their players. So that that we are so proud of them. So there's a, a very a very close link between the, the all the rugby clubs. How many rugby clubs in Madagascar are Playing women's rugby, do you know that? And and how many players do you have on the uh, on the island? Oh, we have a lot, but for for women now we have uh, twenty clubs for women and uh, um, around five hundred or yeah five hundred five hundred players. Yeah, yeah, around yeah. That is is superb, and is is that number getting more and more and more? Yeah, I hope I hope next year we 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 have more clubs for women's rugby. You 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 obviously know about the the WXV tournament that World Rugby are are doing now, and, and South Africa have qualified in WXV two, uh, and Kenya in WX three. Is that the ambition, the goal for Madagascar to qualify for, first of all, WX3? We try to, to work hard and uh, try to improve our performance for for qualified uh, in the future. Yes, well, uh, if if your numbers keep going up and up as they are, then that is a, a very, very realistic target. It is not... Um, and and Ando, I fully appreciate that English is your is your second language, and you're you're doing fantastically. We have seen crowds like this in Madagascar before. Uh, how big is the game of rugby in the country? Okay, so here in Madagascar, yeah, our national sport is first um, football, but here in capital, we have um, uh, rugby is the most popular. You're, you know, so uh, every week, every week we have a game, but uh, especially for Sunday, 
we we have more crowd like uh, as you as you can see in the social media but for women's rugby i'm so surprised with the crowd we have last last week so yeah that that um um grateful for for, for those crowds for this, uh, yeah yeah how much influence does rugby have on those 500 players in madagascar but also those 20 clubs that play how important is are those rugby clubs to to the communities in madagascar how much influence does playing and those clubs have on the country most of our players is in the capital so um, most of them they are the, from the modest family but he, uh, here uh, rugby is uh, like um, like how uh, to say that like uh, tool or something for educate people and we, we we try to 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 to, to help them uh, especially for the um, uh, social speaking so uh even if even if they are from the modest family but they 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 do uh the great thing so um, uh we try to educate people through the rugby game here uh, in the rugby we, we are like a big family so it's not uh only the game but it's for like um uh, issue or uh, I don't know how to say that uh, something for to help people is not only the game we are like a big family here that is lovely to, to hear Ando um, and thank you from if I, I, I'm allowed to to say from women's rugby thank you for everything that you personally do much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> to to see those crowds uh, watching women's rugby and some some great rugby in there, and it is very easy to just concentrate on 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 the big nations that 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 play rugby, those tier one nations. But um, it's so important to that rugby is evolving all around the world. And uh, yeah. if I if I had if I was a genie in a lamp and I could grant you one wish for women's rugby in madagascar what wish would you ask me for i would like uh, i would like to 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 have um more uh, more visibility or yeah because here we know we 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 don't have a sponsor for 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 romance rugby so i tried to 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 find i tried to to do something for for that so if anyone or or somebody uh could like to to help us so that's my wish yeah okay brilliant well there you, you you've heard it there from uh from ando head of women's rugby in madagascar if there's anybody out there um who's seen those incredible scenes and inspired by them um, and they think they can help out, then 
if nothing else, then get in touch with us and we will put you in contact with Ando. But Ando, thank you so, so much for speaking to us. Um, I think you've done brilliantly with your with your English. Keep up the good work and perhaps we'll speak again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm Rachel Taylor and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. I hope you enjoyed that chat as much as I did. You can hear the passion in, in Ando's voice. A uh, huge thank you to Yolanda St. John from World Rugby. We're setting us up uh, with that interview, giving us that, uh, that connection. Uh, and as she says, if there's anyone out there looking to get by, behind a team and you've got 20,000 watching midweek and sort of 12, 15,000 watching at the weekend, um, Obviously, it's the, the, the major sport in the capital, as Ando was saying. Then please, please get in touch and we can we can pass you Ando's details on. So thus far in the WXV, we're going to keep updating you with this. In WXV1 qualifiers already, England, France, Wales, Japan, Scotland and South Africa now qualified for WXV2. And in WXV3, it's Kazakhstan, Ireland and Kenya. Staying in South Africa, they will be a core team in next season's HSBC World 7 Series after capturing back-to-back World Rugby 7 Challenger Series gold medals on Sunday at the Mark Otter Stadium in Stellenbosch. It's just on a huge upward trajectory, isn't it, at the moment? Rugby in Africa, in particular in South Africa. Lynn Cantwell still waving her wand. The domestic league was in action again and it's Western Province who lead the way after round four. They beat the Golden Lions 44-10. The Bulls' Daisies grabbed a bonus point win over the Sharks 34-0. Border Ladies won on the road at the Boland Dames 31-22, the final score in that one. Round five this week, the Test players back from their international duty. Of course, they were playing in the Africa Cup. The EP Queens host the Sharks. Boland Dames travel to the Bull Daisies. Well, it's third versus first with Border Ladies taking on Western Province. We've already mentioned Kazakhstan qualifying for the WXV3. They beat Hong Kong 27-23 last week. It's meant to set up a final in the Asia qualification pool. Kazakhstan met Japan on Sunday. They lost heavily 72-0. So Japan are the Asia Rugby Championship winners. The Oceania Rugby Women's Championship has got up and running. Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Samoa and Tonga all facing off at Bond University on the Gold Coast in Australia. Papua New Guinea lost to Fiji 77-0 in the opening game when Samoa beat Tonga 69-5. Tuesday saw Samoa back up their win by thumping Papua New Guinea 83-0 and Fiji beat Tonga 45 well, so Samoa and Fiji have both qualified for the WXV. And Saturday, which is Papua New Guinea take on Tonga and these two facing off. And the result will decide who goes into WXV2 and who goes into WXV3. So a big old game there coming up between Fiji and Samoa. We'll let you know about the result, of course, in next week's pod. Let's bring you up to date with the, the UK news then. 
the Welsh Rugby Union have announced their next major investment into women and girls rugby by establishing three new player development centres in East, West and North Wales. These are designed to support the development of high potential young players across Wales to help them achieve their ambition to be an elite rugby players. In France, it's semi-final time. Semi-final number one will see Stade Bordelais host Stade Toulousien and Blagnac will travel to the Massive Saint-Charles and ASA Rugmanar. Both these on Saturday. Here in England over the weekend, Lancashire were crowned county champions, beating Buckingham to lift the Jill Burns trophy. And of course, it was round 17 of the Premier 15s. Just rattle through the results and the fixes for you before we speak to Vicky Fleetwood. Exeter put 82 points to seven on Wasps. Worcester against Lightning was postponed due to a lack of ambulance. I don't know the details there, but it's just not a great look, is it? It really isn't. For, as we all keep claiming, the, the best league in the world. Uh, Sale lost to Gloucester Harbury 14 points to 48, but it, it was a really gutsy performance from Rachel Taylor, Katie Taylor McLean's side, especially in that first 40 minutes. Sunday, Harlequins beat DMP 81 points to nil. Katie Mew wish you a speedy recovery after a nasty hip injury. And there was a big old game, wasn't it, between Saracens and Bristol. Saracens, the champions, running out 48 to 38 winners over the West Country side. So this weekend, all games on Saturday, 2pm kickoffs. DMP meets Sale. Exeter travel to Gloucester Hartbury, a fascinating game, that one first against second. At Franklin's Gardens, Loughborough Lightning face Saracens, while Worcester take on Harlequins. And sadly, was like DMP, final game in the Premier 15s for now. They host Bristol. Well, let's speak to a lady who's a double champion of this league. 82 caps, a, a World Cup winner, a Commonwealth bronze medaler in sevens as well. She's even a, a junior hurdler at the time and some of the best hairdos in the business. Here's Vicky Fleetwood. I'm Lydia Thompson and you're listening to the amazing world-class women's rugby pod. It is a huge, huge warm WRP welcome to an old friend of Vicky Fleetwood. Fleeto, how are you? Uh, an emotional week announcing your retirement. Uh, where, where's your head at right now? Oh yeah, it's been it's been pretty full on. Um, I got a really nice goodbye from from Saris, from both players and the fans, and yeah, it was really lovely to be part of their last home game of the season, and that was something that Alex Osterbury helped set up, and he said he didn't want me to go like you know unnoticed and without people thanking me for everything that I've given to the sport. So I thought that was really lovely and. Um, I'm really pleased that I got to do it, but I was so overwhelmed. Um, my emotions were all over the place and I cried a lot, <laughs> uh, laughed a lot as well, like seeing a few faces that I hadn't seen in a while. But um, yeah, it was awesome to be part of it, especially on such a lovely day and an incredible game actually as well. So um, it was really nice to be part of that for for one last time. 
Yeah, I'm sure. And a lot of love pouring out um, across across social medias and little messages and, and, and what have you. Is all that sinking in right now and what you kind of amassed over the last 12, 13, 14, 15 years? Yeah, it's when you're in it, it's not it's not something you ever think about, is it? Like the things that you've achieved and it's always on to the next thing. So even when we went and won the World Cup in 2014, it was what's coming next? You know, what's the next thing that I can can work towards? And um, I just think that's when you're at the top of your game, there's always something else. And the same with kind of making the decision about retiring. Um, there's always something that you're like, oh, maybe if I do one more year, there's this that would be great to be part of. And you push on for a little bit longer. But um, yeah, I made my decision a little while ago um, and it finally got announced this weekend. So people close to me knew, but the the kind of the rest of the rugby community didn't. And um, I think I've I've finally had time to kind of look back and and reflect and and to be proud of what I have achieved as well. Yeah, well, yeah, 100%. You you absolutely should. And as I said, it's outpouring of emotion on, on social media for you. Can I ask it rather bluntly why you come to the decision that, that you've come to? Well, not only am I getting really old. Whoa! <laughs> You're talking to me here. In uh, in the women's game especially, um, What's there's not too 57? many. She's only just retired. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Rocky was still going, you know. Yeah, yeah she's still playing that. For ages. But um, I kind of, I wanted to put my energy into into other stuff. Um you know, coaching, my personal training stuff, um, setting up a business and all that kind of stuff. Um, the Robux Academy, I don't know if you know much about that, but um, myself and Tom set up an academy, started in lockdown. We've done a couple of seasons um, where we've been able to actually play and do do all of that little kind of important side to it. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been great and it's been something that I've kind of it's been ticking along alongside me playing but um I want to put a little bit more effort and energy into those other bits as well and it's really nice having my weekends back and being able to spend a bit more time with friends and family as well yeah I'm sure what give us a bit more of detail about the the, the, the Reback Academy then um, where can people find out about it for starters you can have uh, a free plug We've got a little bit of um, an Instagram presence um, because it's based uh, for like 16, 12, 18 year old boys who go to schools that don't offer rugby. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that, you know, it's predominantly schools where you do play rugby that they then go down to the clubs on a on a weekend. So there's a whole load of players that aren't even getting the opportunity to even try it. Yeah, well, when you speak to retiring pairs you know we I spoke to Shannon Perry last week um she's sliding into to coaching which she's, she's been doing alongside her. and Sunta as we know has just, mm-hmm. just slipped on a different track suit um at the <laughs> same place um some people have that power Vicky it's as simple as that um we were never in any doubt that you would seamlessly go from 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 player to, to retire player because in lots of ways you've been one of those sort of totem pole type players that have kept things going alongside your career the entire time. Where, where did that drive come from? Did you get a piece of advice? Is it just because you're an energizer bunny? 
I think it's a number of things really um bit of advice kind of is always given to you that you know you can't just put absolutely everything into playing because if you if you do that when things aren't going so well like it's if that's the only thing you have then you're not going to be in a good place uh it's always good to have something else to turn to when you know you're not selected you're injured all those kind of things that come along with you know being at the top of your sport and um there was that like I get bored easily so um there on our rest days on our rest days I, I was like I need to be doing something that's keeping like my mind active as well so you know planning sessions although I've been running PT sessions or coaching like I'm not physically being active so I'm still resting I'm just keeping my my mind active and um and helping others as well and and that's something that I'm really passionate about um seeing people improve gives me a lot back so um yeah being in being in coaching being in personal training both go hand in hand and I get a lot from doing that as well not only with it being a job um but intrinsically it really fulfills kind of something that I guess I miss from when I'm being told what to do as a player how many hats have we we've we've slid on to to replace the the playing hat we've got the academy going on yeah the 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 pt work personal trainer stuff which you've done for for many a year my word um obviously I've not looked at it very closely but um (laughs) other people um, no doubt have and, and should do if you're that way inclined um and and you you've just picked up a, a director of rugby rollers as well. Yeah. Um, as I said, I get bored easily. It's nice to have fingers in lots of pies, keep myself busy. Um, it's just nice to have different focuses. So it looks like the the, the, the future is, is reasonably busy, but um, I wanted to chat with you about Prem 15s as well, but it would be remiss and going against the entire purpose possible of having on today. Um, it's a, to have a, a wee look back at um, V Fleetwood's career, um, which has been a lengthy one. I'll, I'll just run through it and you can correct me at any point. <laughs> Debut 2011, 82 caps amassed. Mm-hmm. 50 of those in the first four years. Yeah, then I got struck with injuries. As soon as you get past 25 it's not That's good <laughs> the body says uh no i don't uh, want to keep- okay um well that run of 50 caps included a winning world cup in, in 2014 what a bus ride that was um and you're involved in 2017 world cup as well bronze medal england sevens commonwealth games two premiership titles and a junior hurdler of some note yeah that's that's kind of where my love for sport started in athletics um so my dad's my dad's a, an athletics coach he's actually working in para sport at the moment um so he's doing really well which is amazing to see but he started my love for sport um both me and my twin brother were dragged along to athletics but fortunately we were we were both pretty good at running um so yeah, for years competed in athletics and I just wanted to kind of try a team sport. I just kind of missed being around other people and some days you'd rock up to training when you're like training on your own and you're just not in a good place. 
no good vibes, all that kind of stuff. And actually being around people, being in part of a team, those days will happen, but there's always going to be someone who's in a good place and can kind of bring your energy up. And that's just what made me love rugby, just the not always the stuff that's kind of on pitch and what you get from playing, but but all the stuff that you get from being off the pitch as well and kind of the the friendships that you make and all that kind of stuff that come with it. I always ask when you have a length of career and a successful career as you've had, where the drive comes from. I, I think in that answer, you, you probably tick that box with, with dad and the passion for sport and going out coaching was, you know, it's not, a, not an easy thing to do. It's hugely emotionally and time consuming as, as, as you know, so that's that drive. When did rugby bite you on the bottom and say, hang on, why don't you give me a try? Um, they offered it at school just as, an after-school club. Um, so what age are we talking now? 15. Well, started when I was 14, actually got chucked off the team for getting into a fight with one of the other girls on the team um, and then came back whoa, to Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just... All right, let's... Okay, so in our first season, we're throwing off... a child. <laughs> what, what... Any more details about why do you remember the, the, the girl's name? you have anything to say to her now? Uh, no, I can't, I can't remember. Um, she she played rugby didn't didn't go on to play it much longer just she wanted to try it it was offered at school we actually had there was like 50 girls um went along to training when it was offered um just massive take up um girls wanting to give it a go and our school was very successful um both the year above me and the year below me did really well in the daily mail cup for the school boys so um yeah it was just it was really big at our school and they just thought why not let the girls have a go and as soon as I'd started training started playing I decided that I wanted to go down to a club um went down to Leicester Forest which is actually where Skaz was playing at the time and I think having getting to play alongside such an incredible player like that really drove me forward as well. So when she was getting all her programs from England and the setup, I was always like, I'll oh, come and join you for your running session. I'll do your extra sessions with you, all this kind of stuff. Because as soon as I could see her going through the pathway, I was like, I want a bit of that. Like that would be, that would be pretty cool to be part of. And then that competitive thing, which we haven't touched on yet, but um, is there for all to see when you, when you pull on a, a rugby shirt, there's that competitive e- edge there. Again, was that, is that, is that, do you think that, that that's founded from from dad and, and family and twin brother? That's, um, you know. Yeah, def- definitely from having a twin brother. So we could be competitive, but it wasn't directly competitive. So I really feel for like Bryony and Poppy, um, you know, both being in the same sport, um, probably always being compared, but you could never compare me and my brother directly because being different genders uh, you you physically couldn't compare us like directly um there was a time when obviously as you're growing up um girls hit puberty earlier and I was actually quicker at like the one and the 200 meters than my brother um so I'll forever hold that <laughs> close to my heart I'll remember that forever that I was once quicker than my brother um because he then went on to do really well at, at English schools in not only triple jump, but in the 200 metres as well. So 
very talented brother and I had to somehow keep up with that. How many world champion medals has he got? I mean, he doesn't have any, and he doesn't actually do any sport anymore. Um, do you remind he, him of that now? Because you talk about him in such yeah, glowing, um, glowing terms. I mean, he doesn't even go to the gym. He's just not like his activity is walking the dog. I think he maybe plays a little bit of football, um, does a little bit of golf, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, doesn't even have a gym membership. Not interested. If you'd have known my brother when we were like primary school, secondary school, no one would have ever thought that he would no longer like play competitive sport. But unfortunately, I think by the time he was 18, he'd had both his knees had had surgery on them. Um, So, yeah, not a great start as a youngster in sport. So I think that's potentially one of the things I know he struggled with his knees afterwards, even after they'd been opt on. So, um, yeah, interesting that I was the one that went on and, and carried on when he was so into sport when we were younger. And yet full circle with the injuries, but let's stay away from injury chat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't need any more. No, 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 we, we do. We don't, there's so much to, 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 to pick up on there. And I genuinely could, could, could talk to you to, for hours. Always hugely engaging character um, when our paths have, uh, have crossed. Back to Leicester Forest. From from there, where did we, where did we um, go? You're, you're, you're picking up Skaz's England staff. Are you knocking on the door there? You're making phone calls? Yeah, so we um, we made the move together to Litchfield, um, where we played under eighteens there. So did a season there. She's a couple of months older than me, so she was able to go up and play um, in the seniors a few months before I was able to. But um, yeah, we went to Litchfield together and were there for. I'm pretty sure I played there for about seven seasons, maybe in the senior side. Um, and then that's the only other team that I've played for. Um, for club rugby other than Saracens at senior level. So I'm not one of these people that's kind of hopped about and gone from club to club. I've literally, at senior level, I've played for Litchfield and for Saracens and that's it. It sounds there like that's important to you that you only represented two two senior clubs. Why is that? And what do you think that says about you? Um, I just think kind of like the loyalty of of being somewhere um, and that kind of meant something. And I think that's why Alex wanted to make a bit of a thing about me retiring rather than just kind of leaving and and nothing being done, nothing being said because I've been there for so many years. So um, although it kind of been a back and forth with going away and playing sevens for a little bit. Um, so I actually didn't play that many games really for for Saris, what with injury, going away and doing two seasons with sevens, then being away with um, international stuff. Um, I think I played 65 games for Saris um, over such a long period, not that many, but um, yeah, been in and around the club for, for years and years. So, yeah, yeah. But, but best part of a decade, isn't it? Um, down at Saracens. Yeah, it uh, must be. Uh, a couple of couple of titles in in there as well. Was it? Please don't say it was. But um, was it Emily Scout or that just her being around and in that system that got all those fires 
Bernie, we've talked about your your determination. We've spoken about your your competitive edge. Was it that I'd like some of that? You know, she's she's may have come out with a tracksuit, or she's she's been up to the training session. Whether you you know, yeah, I, I I'm going to get that. When when did that that bite you? Well, I think with with her being so close to like everything I was part of, then definitely that. But then going to Litchfield, there were so many England players at that club that, you know, their drive, their determination, seeing how, you know, how much effort they put into training, you want to match that. And um, being, you know, when you're a young pup, easily influenced, it can go one of two ways. And actually I wanted to to kind of go on and, and do everything I could within the game. So, um, yeah, being pretty determined meant that even though it, it didn't always go my way, like the change of position, all that kind of stuff. I was like, actually, I want to play for England. I don't really care what number shirt that's in. Um, even if that was on the bench, whatever position, 1 to 15, like really couldn't care less. If I was wearing that red rose and that white shirt, like that was kind of the biggest part for me. So um, I know some people wouldn't do that, but I really wanted to go on and and play a sport for my country. So, and I managed to do that. You certainly did uh, 82 times um, for England in the 15s. Um, that's, a, that's a lovely line. Very inspirational stuff, that Vicky. Uh, uh, part A and B to, to this question. Do you remember that first England training session that you turned up at? What were the feelings there? And then when you got by yourself later that day, did you get in front of an ear and go, yes. Come on, or or was it? I can't, can't, can't believe here, imposter syndrome. How was it? Those the, the, those two emotions on that day. I genuinely can't remember feeling like that so long ago. Either of those. Um, so basically, back way back when, when when I was uh, kind of getting in and around the training setup, um, it was when there was an elite forty four. So they had the the EPS squad which basically was your um, full senior side with some others that would play in the A-League. And um, for me, I never really saw that there was like a huge transition from playing under 20s into England A and then into senior. It just kind of naturally progressed. And we were in and around the training, being part of the A's squad, you were in and around where all the senior players were. We would train against them, all that kind of stuff. So we'd do live scrums, live lineouts, go and play like a bit of a game, 20 minutes at the end of training. You go and play against them. And um, yeah, there was just quite that a nice smooth transition from one to the other. Um, whereas they then got rid of the England A setup. So it was more, um, you'd be playing your club rugby and then you'd just be invited into camp. And it just probably was a bit more clunky, a bit of being around the the camp and not getting any game time, all that kind of stuff. I know there's been plenty of girls that that have done that. Some haven't been capped. Some have just got the odd cap. Um, And that was like being pulled in just because of injuries or things like that. But actually there was a lot more where we were working together with, you could see where you kind of needed to be and you could see the difference between like club level that little step up into England A and then 
again into that full senior side. So can't remember being like, yes, I've made it. Like I'm actually at an England training session. Um, can't remember any of that. Do you remember your first cap then? Yeah. Um, I actually had to room with Rocky and I didn't know the girl that well. And I'd only known her like playing against her on the pitch or being at training and knowing, you know, how feisty she was and actually getting to know her. She's anything but that off the pitch. Um, She's a blubbering mess at like every single shirt presentation. She'd be crying. Um, You know, she's got the kindest soul and she, yeah, it was so nice to have her as a roommate. I think she was quite worried you know, you don't know how someone's going to be on their first cap. Like, are they going to be really nervous? Are they going to be really awkward? Like, what's it going to be like? And hopefully I wasn't like that. I think, you know, I just kind of cracked on, got on with it. Um, but yeah, it was very different to uh, what the games are like today. Uh, we played at like a random college in Canada. Uh, it was on a summer tour. Um and we all stayed on site at the college in like dormitories. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there could have been many more than 50 people watching. It wasn't even streamed, none of that. So, yeah, if your parents couldn't fly out and go and see it, which mine mine couldn't afford to at the time, um, then they weren't able to see it until the DVD had been burnt and we could take it home and go and watch it. Uh, for the younger listeners, a DVD uh, is, <laughs> it, yeah, um, it, it's mad, isn't it? But you, you, you made that debut. Uh, and in the front row as well, many people um, sort of just picked up women's rugby um, may, may not have known. Did, the, did you choose the front row or did the front row choose you? The front row definitely chose me. So um, I started life as uh, in rugby as a centre. Um, so lovely little centre partnership with Scars at Leicester Forest. And then when I was in, so there was a group called TDG, Talent Development Group, and there was a North and a South. And being in the Midlands, I ended up being in the North and my parents had to drive me to Leeds. And I think it was like once a month or whatever it was, um, just for like a, a whole day of training or sometimes it was like a full weekend. And um Basically, while we were there, just through like the testing, through the things that through training, they were like the things that you're really good at. Actually, you'd be really good at at hooker. And there doesn't seem to be loads of people coming through the pathway in that position. If you really want to go and play for England, like we think you should try it out. And there's me having barely played rugby for very long, been playing in the centres. And I'm thinking you want me not only in a scrum, but in the front row. You want me to learn a new skill to throw the ball in at the line out? I was like, yeah, why not? (laughs) I'll give it a go. Um, So, yeah, um, not long after that, I had a call up to um, under 20s trial. I managed to get in as a hooker and I'd never thrown into a line out. I'd only ever practiced just like throwing to my dad, throwing the ball to my dad, (laughs) never thrown into a line out. Um, I'd never properly scrummaged. I'd just like practiced scrum shape, um, went along to trials and actually got in. <laughs> so the rest was history. I was from then on, I was a hooker. And 
I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but, but I read somewhere uh, you're quite body conscious as as a as a youngster, broad shoulders mm-hmm. and and the thighs to 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 go with it. Um, that in the end has put you where it put you and got you eighty two caps. Yeah, exactly. Well, ironic, isn't and, it? Uh, yeah, and I think probably a lot of the girls that that are in the England team today have probably gone through a lot of that as well. Like whether that's at school or through friendship groups or or whatever it is, not fit in the mould of like your average teenager. Um, I was through always being sporty. So I started as a swimmer, then went into athletics. Like I was always muscular and none of my friends were, all my friends were stick thin and I always wanted to look like them, but I also really liked sport. And I was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place being like, well, I really want to go and be successful in sport, but I'd love to, to be stick thin um, and just never had that. And rugby really made me kind of look at my body and think, actually, this is made for a purpose. This is made for playing sport. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm passionate about. And um, over time, I wouldn't say like I love my body or anything like that, but I definitely feel like I'm I'm proud of how strong I am, of how hard I've worked to be in the position that that I'm in and and the position that I got myself into um, is something that I've worked hard for. And it's so nice to see now that like a strong body can still be a feminine body and is celebrated for the hard work that's put in. Whereas that was never a thing when I was a teenager and is probably why I struggled with my, my body image and yeah, it's never going to be a hundred percent. I'm never probably going to love my body, but I'm definitely in much better place now than I ever have been with with the way that I look and the strength that I have. Uh, and that's that's quite incredible, isn't it? Um, the thing that you, you most fearful of, you you met it head on. Um, and I would say in the women's rugby space, girls' rugby space, you're an inspiration to to people who are who are. So having similar thoughts to, to you as a, a teenager, you've been a real, real role model in, in that area. Certainly, I mean, we're we're bouncing around and there was always going to be the, the nature with such a an eclectic person that you are with all the strings that you have to, to your bow. I, w- I want to get back to to, to on the field because rugby is, is probably what most people are tuning in to, to listen to. So we, we're an England hooker. You made your debut. You, you sang the anthem. Um what did they make you do that first night? Um, well, I just have to, you have to sing after your first cap. So quite often that will be on a bus, but because of the nature of the tournament that we were in, um, we had to get up in front of everyone and the opposition were also there. So your post-match meal um, had to do a little bit of that. Uh Thankfully, there was um, a group of us that that got to do it. So um, along with Kay, Mo, um, Keatsy and McKenna, there was a whole whole load of us that got capped at the same time. Um, so it wasn't too bad. Uh, they definitely could have laid into us a, a lot more. Did you choose a, a, a joint song then? Uh, to start with, we then got made to do it on our own on a bus at a separate point um, oh, no. when we what had an away game. But yeah. <laughs> what what was the group song and what was your individual one on the on the on the bus? The group the one bus? we did we did steps, I think. 
I think we did like we did like a five, six, seven, eight little danced with it and everything. Um of course you did. Yep. Yeah. So something like that. Um and then um I chose because the issue was uh everyone said you're gonna get booed if you choose something that's already been sung. Um so you're you're thinking, oh my goodness, what should I what should I pick? Um and I was I was strongly thinking of going for did you ever watch Arthur or see it like a children's program everyone knew the the song to it so I was like I might just sing that um and then when I got up there for some reason I just sung Fresh Prince (laughs) don't know what happened something happened and I just sung that instead just because I knew all the lyrics what Um, the the opening titles for the tv show yeah how's it go I'm not going to sing it. I've already done that uh, once before. Almost. You you, you paused. Almost mm. got it. Almost got I thought it. about it, but. Look, I, 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 post-2010, England had a bit of a, a sort of sweep sweep out uh, as a natural sort of thing moving into 2011 and the next World Cup cycle. Um, so we, we'll talk about that that World Cup cycle. 2014, the Stade Jean Um you win against Canada in a in a World Cup final, having drawn against them in the in the pool stages. Um, that was fun with the uh, arithmetic. <laughs> it, it, was that your Everest on the rugby field? Do you know what? I mean, as in like the best highlight. Had- a, a single moment, yeah, a single moment. A- absolutely, yeah, like incredible. Um, and something that no one will ever take away from any of us that were involved in that. Um, however, yeah, I think annoyingly it wasn't against New Zealand, the win, because um, I feel like for some reason, every time we face them in a World Cup final, we lose. And it's it's genuinely not something we go into thinking we're going to lose to New Zealand because we we beat them in 2017. We beat them just months before in New Zealand. So in their own backyard, we beat them and we played so well. We were on fire and yet a couple of months later, couldn't replicate it. We just, we just couldn't do it. And they outsmarted us in like every facet of the game. Um, and then unfortunately I wasn't involved, but this, this last one, um, no one would have seen it coming. A flipping red card changes everything. So, yeah, for some reason, we just can't beat them in a World Cup. Look at there. She's the the competitor. I've asked you about your your best moment in rugby, and we've turned into not being New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, in World no, Cup winning Marvel. winning the World Cup, absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, the fact that. Because it was in France, all our friends and family were there as well. Um, I'm sure you've heard time and time again about kind of the celebrations where we got off the bus and everyone was singing uh, Swing Low. Incredible. I was on that bus. Were you? Yeah. I was drunk by that point. I can't remember. We went into the stand and there's a lot of drinks going on there, a lot of people get on the bus. Your roommate from England days... Rocky just grabbed me and went, you're coming with us. Um, I was at the back. I was at the back of the bus. Yeah. And then it stopped, 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 um, stopped at the roundabout. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he had friends made. and family there. 
Yes. Yeah. So um, my both my mum and my dad were there and my boyfriend and his cousin were there. Just, yeah, like amazing. And then so many Litchfield lot had made the journey over to over to France. They were like, yeah, let's just get on. A, let's go on a flight. Let's go there. Um, yeah, it was amazing to have so much support. There is so much to 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 cover, um, and we obviously can't can't cover absolutely everything because time is ticking along. Sevens and fifteen, you you flipped up the, a little bit between the two. Um, equally adept from from what I saw, uh, both codes. You have a preference, or did you get different things out of them, and therefore probably couldn't choose? I think yeah, I definitely think I got different things out of them. I would 100% say that I preferred the sevens training. Um, Just that like pushing your body to the limit and every single person is doing the exact same. I feel like in 15s, some people get away with not working quite as hard. Um, And sometimes that could frustrate me. Um, I think you get a, a much tighter bond with your teammates when you're with sevens there's only 12 of you that go on tour and you spend a lot of time in each other's pockets and you you don't kind of fragment off into smaller groups where you know in 15s it might be the groups are the whether you play at the same club together or, or you know you've grown up playing together um there's lots of little groups and I remember like even now Nolly and I talk about how we played alongside each other for so long in 15s but never actually became friends until we were in the sevens program and we were put as roommates together in sevens and our friendship just blossomed from there like we'd we'd literally been on the same team for years and didn't really even know each other that well um so yeah I think that's that's a big difference I also don't much like the wind the rain kind of 15s conditions it was quite nice to chase the sun and to go on you know all the different tours that that you do with sevens like that's a really exciting part to to do in the seven series do you remember a a particular match a particular uh, victory a particular try that you that you hold most most dear from your times with, with England sevens so the World Series in Langford, where we'd actually taken not the greatest team. Um, we had a few injuries to what you would class as kind of the starting team. And um, we had the best time ever, honestly. Any of the girls that were on that tour will, will know that it was just fantastic. Even, so obviously your tournament's over two days, day one, we lost two players to injury as well. So we were playing with 10. So we were playing lots of minutes. Um, and we just, although we weren't our strongest squad, we played New Zealand twice. We played them in the pool stages. And then I'm pretty sure, was it quarterfinals? Can't remember. But both times we only lost by one try. And we were just like, this is so frustrating. Like we're doing so well. Um, and we were just playing so well as a team. Um Got some great wins, but yeah, playing so well against such an incredible side, the you know, the the Black Ferns Sevens team are incredible. Um, so for us to lose those games by just one try, we were just like we felt like we'd won. And we were just like, this is so good. Um, 
So I think that's got to be kind of my favourite, my favourite trip um, with sevens. Uh, probably that or the Commonwealth Games, um, just because being part of a big sporting event um, was really special. Um, you know, you go to like your holding camp and then you go into the village and it was just the fact that it was on the Gold Coast in Australia, like that was amazing. So yeah, there's just been, there's been loads of like really cool parts and it's hard, like when you put on the spot to try and remember all of them. But um, yeah, it's nice when you're kind of having those conversations with players that have been there and done it and something crops up in conversation and you just kind of reminisce about all the good times. Well, that's what it's all about. I think that's what the last, how many years it has been about, isn't it? About creating those, those memories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even sometimes, like, while you're in it, you you don't realise you're creating memories. And that's kind of the cool thing about it, is that you look back and you can look back fondly on things that happened and how they've kind of shaped you to be the person that you then are years down the line. We must wrap it up because I'm taking far too much of, of your time, as I say, very happy to talk to you all day long. I, I'm just going to cover a few bits with some quick fires so one word or certainly very most one sentence okay putting me on the spot here yeah really putting you on the spot (laughs) paxman like best roommate uh nolly favorite game of 15s club or country Uh, let's do club first club um so last year um prem final against exeter fantastic loved it performance from from all favorite game International? Um, the World Cup win in 2014. Favourite ground? Twickenham. Toughest opponent in the same position? And you're going to have to answer twice, aren't you? Two and seven. Ooh. Uh, Maloney uh, at Hooker. Um, just can't believe that she's not been involved with Ireland for a number of years now. Like she's incredible at like in attack and defense. Uh, her throwing's great. Like she's just a phenomenal athlete. Um, and at seven mm. every week as well, by the way, Vicky, every single week. She yeah. delivers. Doesn't yeah. She? yeah. She's anyway. great. Um, yeah. we'll and move on. at seven, there's so many. Um, there's so many. Malloy. Yeah, she's she was always really annoying to play against. Irony. Honestly, I I probably could I couldn't name one. Um, there's just so there's so many good players. Good good back rows. Yeah. Okay. Most skillful player you've ever played with. Katie Daly McLean. Um, just like. Her pinpoint accuracy on her kicks and how she pulled other people into the game. Um, I just think, yeah, incredible. The one game that keeps you up at night that you'll think about forever that got away. I mean, thankfully, none currently are. <laughs> um, and that especially now, <laughs> but after this, Johnny, yeah, now thanks. I'm retired. It, you know, hopefully. <laughs> Thinking about rugby won't be keeping me up, but um, you know what I mean. I'm pretty sure that kind of that 2017 World Cup final, um, like how, 
like in the dying stages of it, we were coming back into it and how we, you know, why did we leave it so late? The fact that we'd literally beaten them in their backyard just months before. Um, yeah, I think everyone who was on that pitch that day will just, and this, the same with um, the latest World Cup, I'm sure they'll just be thinking like, how did that happen? How how did it like get away from us? So yeah, it's got to be that one. Best night out after a game of rugby. You have to give us details, just where it was. Um, Litchfield nights out were always the best. So before we were all professional, um, just everyone just loved it. Like it was just so fun. Litchfield of all places, like you know, pretty sleepy. Is it a town? City? I think it's a city. I don't know. Um, really small though. Uh, we used to just go to the local nightclub and just everyone would just have the most fantastic time. Um, and anyone who was in that era when we were all at Litchfield, a load of the the England players, if you ask them, they will say the Litchfield nights out were just great. One of your te- teammates for club and country has described you as a mini egg. <laughs> yeah, Marley. Um, are you, do you I agree with that? I think she meant a cream egg, but I, I, she says they're hard on the outside and, and soft on, on the inside. Um, I'd have gone for a soft mint if that was the analogy okay, on confectionery. Yeah. Um, what confectionery would you compare yourself to, and why? I feel like what she said was quite nice, though. It's nice to be in a, in a similar way to what I said about Rocky. Really, like if other people see you as quite tough. But those that know you know that you can open up and be a real softy, then surely that's the best of both worlds. Indeed it is. And the word caring has come out many, 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 many times. There is one last thing, and it's by far the most important thing um, that we've just spoken about last conversation. An hour now of your time. I I do apologise. The pineapple. (laughs) Yeah. Conscious choice or just get the hair out of the way? We are talking, if you don't know, and um, Figgy, very, very infamous, really, for just having the pineapple up on the head. And there used to be loads of emojis and cuddly little pineapples flying around the place and pineapple clothing and all and all the rest <laughs> of it but, but back in the day. Conscious choice? No, it actually wasn't. Um, I feel like this is something that I'm known for, the the pineapple um but yeah it it came from so basically when I was throwing in as you pull your hands through with the ball it would catch on my hair when it was any lower so to begin with the reason I started doing it was so it was out of the way for when I was throwing and then I just really liked it so as you can kind of see I'm I'm styling one today it's just kind of out the way um especially when you're kind of in the gym working hard, you don't need your hair just kind of like flopping around. Um, Same goes with rugby. You can't see the ball to catch it if you've got hair in your face. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to get it out the way um, and it just kind of stuck. So functional. yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't actually a decision that was made, but to keep it. So even when I then moved to, to flanker or when I was playing sevens didn't need to have it up there but um it stayed it has and um yeah it's, it's nice having do you have a like a, a scrunchie off with uh 
But Georgie Evans at uh, Saracens. <laughs> no, she always, she always goes for nice pink. She goes for the bows. Um, yeah, she loves a bright pink. So, yeah, she's she's less of a scrunchie and more of a bow kind you're, of girl. You're quite right. How, why on earth am I getting into hairdressing um, with you <laughs> ladies? I, I really don't know. Um, I just just two more, if I may. I just as you just slowly clo- close the door on 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 your rugby playing career. Um, from when when you opened that that door, and and as you say that there was no streaming, it was. You know, done a done on a VHS, and and there was fifty people there, and you're walking back to your accommodation after the game. Can you quite believe where the Williams game has come, and and what's the thing that's pleased you the most? No, like I really can't believe it, and uh, even I think it was last year when um, when England had found out that they'd won the bid for the next World Cup and they'd made a statement to say that they wanted to fill Twickenham. I even was like, that isn't going to happen. Like, that is not going to happen. And seeing the game only, you know, a couple of months ago um, in at Twickenham against France, um, final Six Nations game, 58,000, I was like, it's going to happen. Like it is going to happen. And being part of that crowd, like that was phenomenal. Like I would never, ever in my wildest dreams when I first got capped have ever thought that women's rugby would be where it is today. And it's not where it should be um, with all the time and the effort and everything that the players put into it and what I know that the sport can be. Um, But where it is and where it's going to is just really exciting. Uh, are, are the players still still the centre point of, of women's rugby? As it as it just grows at such an uh, I'd say alarming, but at such an incredible rate. Do you feel think, we're getting it's going in the right right direction, or certainly spearheading in the right direction? Yeah, definitely. Um, I still feel like the players can be supported a little bit more, um, but all the kind of media backing is what has really pushed it on. And the fact that they've just gone, right, we're going to see how it goes with the standalone game at Twickenham. Like, I think the RFU would kind of push back on that for for a long time and for them to finally say, let's just go for it. Now the game has proved its point and shown that actually we can not, you know, we didn't fill Twickenham, but we would, with that number, you would fill a lot of stadiums. And it's only going to grow. Um, it was more of a family day out than watching any of the men's games at Twickenham. So actually, if you want to get amongst it and get your kids to go and enjoy a great game of rugby and a great day out at Twickenham, then why would you not go and watch the women's game? Like, I think they did it in the best way that they could have done. Um, and I think the future is is really bright for for women's rugby. Wow. What a salesperson. Can't, <laughs> can't say salesman. I'll let Shauna Shauna be on my back. Um but I what well yeah brilliant salesperson. That's fantastic. Look I I haven't gone into during Jesus and what have you because you know that those are the kind of the, the dark moments that I, I just don't think at a, at a time like this you, you need to be reminded of. I just wanted to, to to finally just chat 
It's going to be a brilliant, brilliant end to the season. And this is, I promise you, my final question. Um, who we, we we know our top four now, don't we? We're expecting Bristol to to beat Ross at the weekend. So you reckon it's going to stay Gloucester, Exeter, Saracens, okay. Bristol, and therefore who wins those semis and who wins the final? If it stays like that, then Gloucester, Sarri's final, I think. And who wins? Uh, head. Head. This is a head question. Obviously, I'd love Sarri's to win, but Gloucester have been on fantastic form this season. So it would be pretty rubbish for them if if they didn't. Um, the fact that... So they've won the league, but you then have to go on and actually perform at a semi and a final. And I've been part of a Sarri's team that, that have done that. And, you know, we've topped the league, but we've then gone on and lost the final. And it's about performing on the day. And we all know how well Sarri's do when when they have to perform. And I feel like they're coming to that part of the season where everyone's knuckling down and, and the performances are coming. Um, but yeah, Gloucester have been great this season. It's been it's been awesome to see a different team leading the way. Um, and that is only good for, for women's rugby, like the fact that it's not always the same two teams that are in the final. Yeah, I, I was going to say exactly that. For you know, I'll ask you the question. It's, it's good for the game that, that somebody else is there. Um, we were talking about that last year, weren't we, with uh, without the normal protagonist in there. Um, but you, you've been a, a main protagonist of that Red Roses squad for, for many, many years. World Cup wins, bronze medals at Commonwealth Games, couple of premiership titles. Um, but far more importantly... Um, an ambassador for the sport on and off the on and off the field. We've spoken about that, and you only have to to listen whether it's comparing you to a mini egg or or a cream egg or, or whatever it is. Um, the the outpouring of people that those closest to you, um, you you're one of those caring people knocking around. So from all of us in women's rugby, thank you so much for your service. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on as well. No, a- absolute and utter pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Do a lot of the DOR stuff. Check out the uh, Roebuck Academy uh, on Instagram, ladies and gents, if you're listening. And I do hope to to see you on a touchline very, very soon, Ricky Fleetwood. But, yeah, I'm sure our paths will cross in the not-too-distant future. Once again, thanks so much again. Cheers. Take care. I am Sophie DeGuddy, and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Chock-a-block show today, isn't it? Time to wrap things up for you. We'll have a full semi-final preview of the Premier 15s next week on the pod. But a few shout-outs just to finish up with RPA winners here in England. Sadia Kabir was the RPA England Women's Player of the Year. Premier 15s Player of the Year was Mo Hunt from Gloucester Hartbury. The Special Merit Award went to Emily Scarrett. The Blythe Spirit was awarded to Abby Burton. Inducted into the Hall of Fame was our very own Sarah Hunter. Me, big shout out to all of those very, very deserved winners. Georgie, Lily, Paris, Reading, 50 caps for sale and a stunning, stunning try as well. Ella Vivas for Saracens. Congratulations on your 50th cap as well. 
Two former champions have announced their retirement from the Premier 15s. They're both winners of the competition as well. Dave Catlin and Chloe Edwards to retire from Harlequins this week. Big shout out the careers of Edwards, the first and only centurion at the club. And Dave, such great energy and amazing determination to get back post becoming a mum. Good luck with all you do next. Then he calls off from Harlequins as well and says goodbye to her time in England at Harlequins and her career. In fact, great person and top human being as well. The experienced Vera Eshka Grain, if I've said that right, played her 50th provincial match for Western Province against the Golden Lions and chalked up a 44-0 win as well. Congratulations to her. A lovely conversation this week with the ladies at the Palata Viva, South America's first women's rugby pod. See, we told you so. It's spreading. So to host Cynthia Canales... Esperanza Hernandez, who said the community of women's rugby is growing even here in Chile, and you guys keep us connected. Very, very kind words, but it's just brilliant to connect with people. What well, we were just talking earlier, weren't we? To Ando in Madagascar, we're now talking to Cynthia and Esperanza in Chile. I just, it, it, it's brilliant. It's why why we do this. Big shout out to to you ladies for spreading the word over in South America. We're going to have you on the pod if we can get that arranged around October. So we'll hear all about rugby in Chile in October from Cynthia Esperanza. As ever, if you don't already, subscribe, rate and share. Huge thank you to Tom and to Vicky. Massive, massive thank you to Vicky Fleetwood. Sad to see a Red Rose and World Cup winner hang up the boots but we know full well that she'll be a, a great success wherever she goes next and a massive massive thank you speaking to us all the way from Madagascar to Ando Hiramahefa absolute pleasure to, to speak to her and just reflect on those incredible scenes over the last couple of weeks in Africa as I said earlier full preview of the Premier 15 semi-finals next week for you here on the Women's Rugby Pod until then, stay safe, stay happy. Music.